Welcome to Declaration Life. I'm your host, Christabel Braden. I'm a survivor of traumatic brain injury and a singer-songwriter, and I just love sharing hope and joy and encouragement and life, and that's what this podcast is all about, living with intention. Today, we're welcoming Crystal Day. She is an award-winning author, international speaker, certified empowerment coach for life and business, and Jesus Girl, who's mentored and coached countless women of all ages. She is a kingdom entrepreneur, podcaster. Her podcast is called Diary of a Jesus Girl. She's a minister and the COO of Daylight Publishers. She's amazing. And today she's going to share some of her testimony. And we're going to talk about freedom and what freedom means. Freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from your past. Her testimony is so powerful. You guys are going to love her. Thank you so much for listening today, and let's get started. So I'm not giving up. Live a declaration life. Declare your purpose. Declare your place. Declare your work. I want to take a minute and let you know about our Facebook community group. You can join us on Declaration Life Community on Facebook. It is a group of women to share prayer requests, encouragement, and just cheer each other on through life in living a Declaration Life, and would love to have you be a part of it. You can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash Declaration Life. It's time for the Declaration segment. This is the part of the podcast where I share a declaration that you can speak over your life. We need to be declaring truth over the lies and declaring hope and declaring life over ourselves. And on this podcast, it's all about choosing to live with intention and making intentional choices and decisions on how we speak to ourselves. Today's declaration is... I am claiming freedom over my life. I'll be honest with you. There have been times when I felt like maybe I had this head knowledge of what freedom is. You know, we sing about it. We sing worship songs about freedom. I might sing, I'm free, or we might hear about being free, and we might know logically that the Bible says that Jesus sets us free. But for me, there's been times that there's been a disconnect between this idea of freedom, or at least what I think freedom might be, and the way that I feel inside, feeling trapped, feeling ashamed, feeling guilty. And I don't know how to reconcile that. You know, I would struggle in feeling like I was an imposter or a hypocrite. How could I claim this freedom in the Lord, but yet have these feelings deep inside. And that just caused more shame and that caused more of a spiral. You know, we go through things in life that cause us to convince ourselves that we're not free when we actually are in Christ. You know, it it is as simple as taking him at his, at his word. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it is that simple. But life is complicated. And we can convince ourselves that maybe freedom isn't enough or you don't know what I've been through or in my circumstances. And it could be subconscious. It could be this feeling deep inside like you want to be free, but you don't really know how to get there. And so today I actually want to share with you guys a little bit of a story from my life Before we dive into the scripture, just this week, I released a new music video for a song called My Story Now, and that song is about reclaiming your story, and I wrote that song coming out of an abusive relationship. I'm not going to go into all the details of the abuse because it's just not necessary or relevant at this moment in this particular podcast, but I will say that he tore me down from the inside out, spiritually, just manipulating emotionally, verbally, physically. 
He abused me in ways that made me feel like it was my fault. And he would twist things to make me feel like I had to do what he said. And he was so controlling and it was just confusing all the time. I felt like I lost my self-worth because this man would tear me down. It's been a couple years now that I've been healing from this and I haven't had any contact with him. So what you're hearing now is is somebody who's walked through years of of working with God on this particular situation, but there was a time when my anxiety was so high, I just couldn't function. And I would have PTSD and I would have awful nightmares and I just couldn't couldn't function. And I share that with you because there was a part of me that felt so ashamed to have gone through that. I'm a Christian girl. I'm a Christian singer-songwriter. I'm a Christian artist. People know me as a brain injury survivor and a warrior, and they knew me as, you know, I would sing songs about faith. And then I felt like my self-worth was torn away, and I felt like I didn't know how to connect to my faith anymore. And I felt like I didn't know what freedom was anymore. And I really, really had to walk through this process with God and me and just us and my mom and, you know, other Christians. But I really had to walk through a process of unpacking that shame and that guilt that I felt and unpacking what I really believed deep inside. Do I really believe that I'm free? I remember feeling trapped like I couldn't leave him. I was afraid to leave him. I was afraid that he would be violent. I was afraid of what he would do. And I didn't feel like I was strong enough to walk away. For anyone who's been in that type of situation, you can always walk away. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. We serve a God that makes a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And he can do it all. But it's not easy. It's not easy to break away from that type of manipulation. And that really caused me to question everything, my faith, everything. That's actually what caused me to even want to start a podcast. I wasn't sure how to move forward or or I knew I wanted to start having conversations about, you know, relevant things that matter in the Lord. But I didn't know how to do it, and that really was kind of what inspired the podcast. But I share all that to share with you that I have been in a place where I didn't know what freedom was. I've been in a place where I felt betrayed and hurt and confused and like, how could God allow this? I've been in a place where I felt trapped and I felt like my own guilt and my own shame. And this, it's like I just put it in this box inside of myself and I just tried to pretend like it wasn't there, but this shame was just like eating at me. And the Lord had to teach me that his freedom is as simple as taking him at his word. I'm going to read to you today Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. That's Romans 8. Verses 1 through 6. 
To set the mind on the flesh is death. To set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace is what we want. (laughs) We want life and peace. And the gospel says, Jesus, his sacrifice was big enough. His blood is enough to cover all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our pain, all of our hurt, any abuse, any tragedy, any circumstance, anything that you have gone through can be redeemed in Christ. We do not have to live according to our past, but we can live according to our future in Christ. We do not have to live according to the bad things that have happened to us. Our identity is not based on what somebody else has told you. If somebody has hurt you, if somebody has abused you, that is not who you are. You are free knowing that you are a child of God. You are loved. You are chosen. You are worthy. There is grace for you. There is grace and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation because he has done it. He has gone in your place and paid the price of sin so that you do not have to pay it yourself. He has stood in the gap He's laid down his life so that you could be free. And if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you have trusted in him, you have that freedom. And if you haven't yet, please, please message me or ask me how to help with with that or, or what ways to point you in the right direction or call up a Christian friend because I can tell you right now there is no freedom like the freedom of Christ. There is no freedom, like knowing that your sin does not control you and your past does not define you. Your identity is not based on what anybody has said about you. It's not based on anything that has happened to you. It is not based on the way that you view yourself. This guilt and this shame that might eat away inside of you does not define you. In Christ, you can give him your pain and your circumstances. You can give him your life and make him Lord of your life so that you don't have to carry it anymore. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're tired of carrying it, he can give you rest. He is enough. There is freedom in Christ. Do not believe the lies that you are trapped, that you are not enough, that your shame will never go away, that you deserved this. No, do not believe those lies. Know that that God has done what nobody else could do. The creator of the universe who loves you so much came as a man to die for you, to die in your place, to pay the price of humanity because humanity is sinful. We we have a sinful nature that can only be reconciled in Christ. And so when we talk about freedom, and when we talk about what freedom is, and when we claim freedom over our life, and when we step into the identity of what we are called to, and when we walk in the freedom and we walk in the Spirit, we're unstoppable. In Christ, you are unstoppable. Because when you truly walk in your freedom, you know that your past doesn't define you. And you know that no matter what that person has, says about you, it doesn't matter because it's not true. And you know that the truth is always going to shine out the lies. Jesus says the truth will set you free. (laughs) And as we follow him and as we step forward into our purpose, we have to understand that we're free. I spent too long convincing myself that I wasn't free. I spent too long believing the lies that I wasn't enough and believing the feelings of shame. And believing this guilt 
inside of me and just wallowing in it instead of allowing Christ to heal my heart. It takes time. It's a process. Healing is a process. Coming out of an abusive situation, it was not overnight. It's been a long time before I could even talk about it and put out that music video and, and be strong enough in Christ to tell my story. It took time. But along the way, I've learned that freedom in Christ is more beautiful and more whole. We're called to wholeness. Jesus says in John 10.10, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so they may have life and have it to the full. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that you are set free. Claim that freedom over your life today. Crystal, welcome to Declaration Life Podcast. Hi. Hi, Christabel. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for the invite. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I'm so excited to connect with you and to hear what you have to share. Now, you are a podcaster yourself, right? Yes, I'm a recent podcaster, yes. <laughs> What's your podcast called? It's called Diary of a Jesus Girl. And it was inspired by the idea of women are always keeping diaries. We hide our innermost thoughts in diaries. And, um, you know, I found that a lot of Christians don't feel very they weren't transparent about the journey and, you know, about their hardships, but also the blessings of this Christian walk. So I wanted to create a space or a community where people are inspired through the various challenges and struggles of our Christian walk and hoping that, you know, it will inspire them to keep the faith. So we talk about some really, you know, the topics we say that sometimes church people don't want to talk about abortion, masturbation, you know, um, how to handle whole singleness, real you know, so things like that. So yes, it's been an amazing journey. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's so amazing. I can't wait to go in and, and listen more to it. I haven't gotten a chance Thank to you. listen yet, but I saw your website and I was like, this is so great. Thank you. Thank you. I love that you're you're having these conversations that aren't had. I, I know. And it's funny because, I mean, some of the topics that we have discussed, we have interviewed men about singleness, you know, um, you know, to imagine hearing a man talk about how a divorce affected him. You know, that was really, yes, it's a diary for Jesus, girl, but we allow men to share their aspect of the story because sometimes, you know, they don't get an outlet. So, you know, the, there was somebody that shared about several abortions. She did seven abortions, you know, how that affected her. Um, so just those kind of conversation. Of course, you know, we still talk about everything else, but some those are some of the things that we have spoken about so far. I love that. And, you know, you say men for a diary of a Jesus girl. I mean, it's hard to know what men are thinking. <laughs> <A lot of times. laughs> yes. So getting that male perspective can be helpful. <laughs> yes, it has been. I mean, even a single talk with them, you know, um, hearing the husband talk because we have something called couple up. So hearing the husband talk and wife, you know, it's it's been actually I'm I'm enjoying the podcast journey more than I expected to. That's awesome. I love it. I love it so much. So can you share some of your journey and just some of your story and where you're from? Okay, so again, I'm Crystal Day, and I am currently living in Kingston, Jamaica. <laughs> so that's why you can probably, um, you know, your listeners will hear the accent. So I tell people, my, my story starts, I grew up in the inner city, and inner city for us is like the projects in the U.S., right? So, you know, very poor community. I was the eldest of four, and then my mom married another, I have a little sister, so now five, five of us um, for our mom. And growing up was, it was hard, but you didn't realize it was hard because everybody around you lived the same life. So yes, you didn't have a lot to eat, but it was okay. You know, you didn't realize, like I didn't realize how poor I was until I reached high school. Now you're in a high school and you are around persons that are, you know, just, they have it. You know, you didn't realize how much you didn't have it. Um, one of the things, though, I was very focused on the education because my father always told me that, you know, education was a way out of that lifestyle of poverty, you know, 
education gives us opportunities to get better jobs, to to you know to live a better life. So I was always focused on my my education. Fast forward, I didn't grow up in church. I I, I was christened as a Catholic. Um, so every now and then you go to mass, you know, just as a something tick off, you know, I went to church, <laughs> you know, kind of make you feel better. And Jamaica is considered a, 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 a Christian country, right? Meaning, you know, in the office we pray before, you know, like having devotions at school is, is a must. Praying before a meeting, even in politics, you find that, you know, people pray. So it's considered, so it's almost like we're cultured to, okay, go to church at least two, three times, Easter, Christmas. And, you know, so it makes us feel better. Fast forward till I got older, that's when I realized... All right, so fast forward. Let me fast forward to when I got saved. So getting saved and truly having a relationship with Christ, that's when I realized that the life that I was building was was leading me to hell. That's the best way I could put it, right? So I was doing all the things I needed to do that makes me fit into the society. So I was pursuing education. I was pursuing the career. Um, I was very promiscuous, and I think that was... That was probably a part of the fact because I grew up in the inner city, seeing a lot of women. You know, we have multiple boyfriends. Um, I didn't even know about the word promiscuous till I came to Christ. Like, I didn't even know that sex before marriage was wrong. Like, I never heard that before, you know? So, you can imagine just coming into the, the, the fold and coming into Christendom and you're realizing that everything that the world taught you was just not of God. So, it took a lot of... I would say, you know, that, that mind renewal and you, you on a podcast, I'm sure you speak a lot about the, that declaration of life. A lot of persons from where I come from, they don't declare life, right? And many of the young men where I'm from, they, they become gunmen or thieves or end up in prison. A lot of the girls get pregnant at 14, 15, having children, you know, teenage pregnancy, you know, having multiple baby fathers or, you know, children, fathers and stuff. That was what many of them don't know, understand what it means to declare life. But thank God that when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was able to realize how, how I can change the trajectory of my life through the words that I speak, through being obedient to his word and just truly living the purpose that he has called me to live. That's amazing. And wow, to it's so different than I grew up in church. So, you know, I grew up, I always knew God loved me. And to hear you talk about how you didn't even know that sex before marriage wasn't okay, <laughs> you know, because um, I grew up being taught that hammered into my head. <laughs> and so it's just so interesting. So what was that like as you, how did you come to know Christ? How did you find out there's something else to this Jesus? So, as I said, I think growing up in what we considered Jamaica, Christian culture, so we are very secularizing the music, you know, um, the things that we have been exposed to sexually at a young age, that was there. But there is also this God consciousness that exists. So we know that I, I knew that God existed. I had an aunt. Um, she was a Christian, really, you know, she's probably one of the strong Christian persons in the faith in our family. And she was always praying, you know, when I go to the country to stay with her, we had to go to church, we had to learn to pray. So I was, I had God consciousness. Fast forward, uh, I, a guy that I dated, he died at a very young age, probably was about 22. And I don't know, I always tell people that debt always bring that awakening or remind you that this life is temporary because he was young he was about three years older than I and I'm like he went to visit a girl and the girl boyfriend came in and killed him and you can imagine now me hearing this and I'm like but you know it's somebody that many we were good friends and we used to party together and then he just died like that. So I became more God conscious. And as a result, I started to visit churches. I struggled with some churches because the rules and the regulations and the thou shall not. And I felt like, okay, going into Christendom, Christianity was a prison life. But 
I eventually visited a church and this church felt different. I could wear pants. Wow, wearing pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, they didn't have a choir. You know, everybody wasn't in art. So I was like, whoa, you know, this is okay. Like I felt okay. And then what I enjoyed too, the pastor spoke about the love of God. So for many years, I hear about the wrath of God. If I don't do this, I'm going to hell. I don't do this, I'm going to hell. And I tell people the truth is when I heard about hell, I'm like, well, it's okay. Because everybody I know would have gone to hell. (laughs) So, you know, like who would want to go to heaven? Because it's boring. You know, that's, (laughs) that was the crazy thought that I had. But when I met, went to this church, a pastor spoke about the love of God. And I remember I was going through some relationship issues with, you know, because I had multiple boyfriends, multiple heartbreaks, and you're just doing this cycle. And I remember just hearing this message about the love of God and something just said, you know, this is it. I don't know how to explain it, but I heard this is it. And, you know, I walked up, but to be honest, I wasn't ready to get baptized. <laughs> I just walked up because I felt convicted. But the pastor eventually, you know, spoke to me about the whole health thing. And, you know, if I died, I remember because I'd lost my friend about a year or so before, I was like, you know, really and truly, if I die, what would happen to me? And um, I, I gave my life to the Lord. But let me say here, it didn't last very long. Meaning, after about three months, I started to live lukewarm. I started to live a double life because I was used to partying. I was used to sex. I was used to all of these things. Now I'm coming into church and I did not understand, you know, the, you know, when the the scripture tells us that we have to leave and we have to to forsake the things of the world and pursue God. Like I did not, like I, I wanted to hold on to both. So as a result, a few years after I got pregnant in church, um, should I start the story here or continue? Keep going, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so it was when I got pregnant in church. So I was in church. The good thing is I I never stopped going to church. So even though I was partying, I was still going to church. I was still doing my devotions. I was still trying to pursue God, but just afraid to let go of my friends, afraid to let go of the relationship that I was in. Then I got pregnant. And when I got pregnant again, the church that I was attending, and I remember how, after I spoke to the pastor about it, how I did not feel condemned. I felt like, and, and I remember they said, the, the, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I did not understand that scripture. It sounded good, but it did not resonate in my heart as much. And I remember, you know, um, at my church at the time, if you get pregnant, you have to go up to the altar and tell everybody that you're pregnant, right? So a lot of persons were against it. And I'm like, I mean, it's okay because everybody's going to know eventually. So you had to do like a little apology. And I remember doing that and how the, the body of Christ embraced me. And I was going through a very rough pregnancy, but I felt, I felt the love of God through the people of God. Wow. I don't know if you understand. So I felt the love of God. So I, like I knew God loved me. I knew he forgave me, but I was assured because of my church family that time. So after I had my, baby, my daughter, when I woke up consciously, the first person I saw at my bedside was my pastor and his wife. Wow. That's big. This, I spent a year and a half really desiring to let go of the things of the world because I started to see the love of God. I started to embrace. I started to get more God-conscious prayer. I saw God answering my prayers. And one day it was, I remember being at a party. It was a New Year's Eve party with my friends. And I remember just sitting, I was like, this is not, like, this is it. Like, I'm not partying anymore. I'm not having sex anymore. I'm going to do it God's way. And that was um, January 1st, 2014. And I've never looked back. And people asked me what changed. It was, I realized that, we make Christianity very hard by trying to convince ourselves that we need this different encounter with God to stop doing what we need to do. And I came to that decision that day, realizing it was simpler choice. I had a choice. If I I went back to a party, I had sex. 
the Bible tells us that there's no temptation come unto man that, you know, that I can't withstand, that God won't provide a way of escape. I just chose not to go the way of escape. Yeah, and that's that. So I made a decision. I made a choice to choose God. And here am I now. Wow. You have such a piece about you in the way that you speak and the way that you share. Like the Holy Spirit is so evident in your life. And thank you for sharing your testimony. You're so right. It does have to be a choice. Sometimes we get so caught up in the way that we view things that we're missing out on the way that God views us. Yeah. And, and the way, like what you were saying, Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ and how that didn't really make sense to you. But God is always trying to communicate with us that, no, with Christ, there really is no condemnation. Like there really is freedom. So what does that freedom mean to you? Oh, that's a, that's a really powerful question. One of the ways I realize. I got freedom or one of the evidence of when I got freedom was the fact I realized and admitted that the things of the world were bad <laughs> for me. And I think, especially in the culture, Jamaican culture that we grew up in, we almost are taught that, you know, as long as everybody else is doing it, that must be the right way. And Freedom came for me and I experienced it when I refused and I decided that I'm going to choose God's way despite what everybody else may say, despite the people that I may lose, despite I'm, I will be mocked, I will probably go through persecution. And, you know, when you realize you have freedom, you see the piece that you described that I have now, that was when I realized because the truth is, when I was in the world, I was always doing something else to fill my void. I'm out of a relationship. I have to find another relationship because if you stood long enough, you realize you didn't like yourself. You don't like who you have become. There's something about every time you had sex with somebody that's out of wedlock that you felt like you were giving a part of you that you could not get back. And as a result, you kept either continuing to have sex, you start drinking, you start partying, and you started to do things to, to just get that high. In Christ, I realize that I don't have to get high because I have Christ. And for some reason, it just felt enough. It felt, it was amazing as a mother that I didn't have to, like whatever I'm practicing, I'm telling my daughter to love God. I know you're trying to raise her the right way, but if I was partying and doing all the things that are wrong, then I was living a double life and she would have seen something different. But when I'm choosing Christ, the freedom comes that she's able to see that I'm not just talking Christ, but I'm living Christ. That's what freedom felt like. Freedom felt like, I realized that I've done a lot. I did an abortion at 16 years old. I forgot to mention that I was molested at nine years old. It's embarrassing to say you have had sex with multiple men. It's embarrassing to say these things. But freedom comes when you can talk about it. And then knowing that you don't feel guilty, you don't feel ashamed because I'm a new person. I'm a new creature in Christ. Finally, freedom came when I'm able to share my story, knowing that there's somebody, because Revelation says that, you know, I overcome the blood of the land by the word of my testimony. So it means that every time I share this testimony, somebody's becoming God conscious. The Holy Spirit is pricking somebody's heart to come closer to him. So this life is no longer about me. My mistakes are no longer about me. It's now become a message to help somebody to come into Christ. And that's what freedom for me looks like. Wow. <laughs> that's a, I love, I love everything you just said. It's so, so anointed. Like you are so anointed in the Lord. I just, wow. I don't even know what to say to that. It's great. Okay. I love the piece that you said about no shame. 
and no guilt. I was actually having a conversation with one of my friends about just that last week. Because it's so easy for us to hold on to guilt and shame and like we lock it up in a little box inside of us and we don't, we, we, we ignore it and we pretend like it's not there, <laughs> but it just kind of sits there. And it, in order to really go through it, you have to unpack it with Jesus and say, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel guilty? Why do I feel shame? What can God teach me in this? And as we work through that with Christ, he opens up a new world of freedom that you don't you you can't experience when you're holding on to these pieces of shame. Amen. 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 You know, one of the biggest revelations I got, I think it was 2019, 2018. Shame cannot kill you. It can only silence you. It's when you come to a revelation that, whoa, guilt, I won't die. (laughs) Shame, I won't die. And then Solomon says it, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing that I could do or will ever do that is like surprising to God. Like God is saying, oh my God, she didn't know because the blood of Jesus Christ already gone and paid that price ahead. And that when you realize that you have no reason to be silenced anymore, because you can declare the blood of Jesus Christ over all your mistakes, all your shame, all your guilt, knowing that he who is perfect saw my imperfection, but still says that he was willing to die for me. Yeah. The love of Christ is so beautiful and it's so overwhelming. You know, when you mentioned the verse from Revelation, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. As we are covered by his blood, only then do we have a testimony to share, you know? (laughs) Those two pieces are not separate. We're not overcome Mm. by the blood of the lamb and then the word of our testimony separate. The testimony is nothing without the blood. And he is, he is everything. You know, I was mentioning that conversation. I was having my friend about shame and they were saying like, you know, I don't, I don't know how I get from here to here. Like I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling guilty. I know I haven't been living for Christ and I know where I want to be, but I don't know how to get there. And one of the things we talked about was why don't we just take Christ at his word and just take him at his word. And and, and it's, it can be as simple as just yes. believing and having faith and, and, And accepting the freedom that he gives us, because sometimes we keep God at at arm's length. We try to keep the Holy Spirit, you know, just close enough for what we need. And then we try and keep the Holy Spirit from fully bringing us that freedom because we're afraid of what that freedom could mean. Yes, yes, yes. You know what I love with what you said, you know, um, not just that it's not separate, but it's almost like when you think about the love of God, I think because humanly we have been disappointed by people so much, it's almost like, can I trust him? Can I believe him? Can I take him at his word? And this is why, you know, um, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The word of God plays such an important part in our lives. Not not just when you read the Bible, but just um, ruminate in it and, and allow it to become a part of you so that you can really and truly start believing in it. Walk out that faith because it's so easy for us to feel, you know, disappointed. For example, you ask God for something and it feels like he doesn't, didn't give you the answer that you wanted. So, you know, it's just, I think it comes from one just falling in love, falling in love, falling in love without expectation, falling in love with him. And then you'll be able to, to receive his word. Yeah, I love how you put that, that when we love God, then we're able to receive him. You know, he doesn't ask for much from us, but love no. and trust. Amen. 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 
I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation. I feel, as you said, you know, just there's just a peace that's declared over this podcast. And I pray that everybody that's listening, that they would be able to, in this season, experience newfound love. There's so many things happening in this world right now. You know, so many things that are shaking our faith, that are, you know, it's almost trying to blind our trust. But God remains the same yesterday, today, forever. And sometimes even in these hard moments, it means that we just have to push a little harder, fight a little harder. If you were married, you know, um, and things aren't going well, you you shouldn't want to walk away, but you want to fight a little harder. And sometimes the truth is, the Bible tells us that draw close to God as he will draw close to us. While he always initiate a relationship, sometimes he will see if you will draw close to him, you will pursue him. And think about it. Anybody? when you have a relationship and you're the one giving, 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 after a while you're like, let me pause and see if your intentions are pure. And I feel like God is like that sometimes where he's saying, okay, I pursued you, I'm pursuing you, but I'm going to just pause and see if you're going to pursue me back. I love it. And one of the things that I've been reading a lot and thinking about in scripture is is Jesus and the way he interacted with people in the gospels. And one of the questions he would always ask is, do you want to be healed? He would ask them, do you want to be healed? And I think that God asks us that a lot. He'll, he'll ask us and he will respond, but we have to pray and we have to ask him. And we can't just get angry that God isn't talking to us or that nothing's happening in our life if we're not asking him, you know, God wants to give us good things, but he wants relationship with us in order to do so. He doesn't force himself on us. Jesus didn't force healing on people who weren't ready for the healing or who didn't want the healing. Sometimes people, and I've been guilty of this in my own life in certain seasons, like you're okay living in your struggle. Your struggle becomes like your identity. And and it becomes more comfortable than even thinking about the healing. Freedom. You know, and whether it's like a physical thing. So I'm a survivor of traumatic brain injury and I've had really serious physical issues in my life. And I know a lot of our listeners have also had brain injuries or chronic illnesses and have dealt with these things. And, um, you know, when it comes to like a physical injury that's lasts for over a decade, like so long and just constant pain, you become so used to it that you don't think it could ever get better. And you, you stop believing that it could get better. And I've been there. And then there's the spiritual side when, you know, heartbreak and betrayal from friends or from boyfriends or, you know, whatever it is, family that the people who are supposed to love you that don't love you the way that they should. And Mm. you just close yourself off to wholeness and the wholeness that Christ wants to give you. Like in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come so they may have life and have it abundantly. And the abundant life is what Christ wants to give us, but we hold ourselves back from it when we don't ask him and we don't want to receive it. And it's this fine line that we walk between in this walk of faith and this walk of trust between realizing like, yes, this is my circumstances currently. And I, I understand I, I might be in physical pain quite a lot from this injury or from this illness, but I also believe that God is good and I want healing and I want him to move in my life. And I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep asking him and I'm going to keep trusting him. And then even if it doesn't change, trusting that he's good and that he's bringing good things into my life. And, you know, and and, and probably that's a question that you probably could answer in terms of when, when you went through that moment of even if he doesn't answer and even though I know that he's good and you have forgotten you know, the idea of what healing could look like or wholeness could look like. you just forgotten that. What would have made you push through? I would love to know that. <laughs> you know, what would have made you push through? So what, ma- what would make me push through even if he doesn't answer the way that I want? Yes. 
it's always been for me first I'll go through the disappointment and the emotion and I'll accept the emotion of yeah this doesn't feel good I'm not happy about this but what's always been for me is intimacy with the Holy Spirit and his presence and the assurance that his presence is with me is something that I cannot explain the peace that it brings whether I'm singing and worshiping God and just singing to him in the morning or reading the Bible or praying. But it's the Holy Spirit. When we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, that means that his presence is within us. And the access to the presence of God, that's what brings me peace. There's power in his presence. And I really think that's the only thing. There's nothing anybody can say that makes it better. There's nothing that anybody can do makes it better. I mean, it might temporarily, but the real, to find a real peace, it it has to be in the presence of God for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just agreeing because as you said, you know, after a while of, after feeling like, oh, I've been praying and, um, things are not changing and, you know, while you want to keep that faith and hope that it can change, there's this God consciousness or, you know, that you have to come into alignment to say, okay, if it's, this is God's will for my life, how can I maximize this season of my life? Who can I still share the love of God with? I remember, you know, even as you spoke about the illness, I remember um, my sister, um, she was 21 and she died. She died the 4th of December, 2018. And she was 21 very healthy one day just fell a little sick her to the hospital then went through a, a, a months of sickness where she eventually died and I remember one even now almost two years after my family and I we have not we have not recovered any at all and I remember how angry I was at God initially because I'm like you know I've been seeking you I've been serving you I've been praying you know why would you take her and I remember there's just something remember the Holy Spirit just saying to me but I'm still God you know I'm I'm, I'm I still have a plan for your life and I know you don't understand but I still wanted to be obedient. And I kept getting speaking engagements after speaking engagement and the flesh in me did not want to accept them because I was mad at God. You know, I was really mad at God um, because, you know, just, and I, 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 kept, I took them because I realized that even in my pain, he still had a plan for my life. It doesn't make sense but I'm still going to be obedient. And that came to mind when you were speaking. Because as you mentioned, you know, evil, I'm sure there are, you are going through things still now. You know, you, the listeners are going through things still now, but you are sharing this podcast as a way to be obedient and, you know, to bless somebody as even though things in my own life has not been as I would have wanted to, but I have faith because, you know, in my obedience, I know that he will be pleased. Yeah, amen. And that obedience, it can look like so many different things. You know, there's obedience in the big things, but there's also the daily moment by moment, moments of obedience when temptation comes and, you know, you're constantly making choices. We have to be to choose to obey God. But as far as like the path that he sets before us for you, that obedience has led you to being an entrepreneur and an author and all these things. So can you talk some about what God has done in your life and all the amazing things that you're doing? You know, Chris, like, no, you make me feel teary-eyed. You know, when I said that, and I want the listeners to know that there's a way that you can live a life that's seemingly successful, that you are working a good job, that you are buying the house of your dreams and a car for your dreams, and you can do it without God. There, You can. You know, there's a lot of sowing and reaping. I saw four years in school to get a college degree. Most likely, I will reap a job that I will be able to pay me well. The law of sowing and reaping. As a believer, I came into the knowledge that as a believer that I don't have to operate in the law of so and reaping. I operate in the law of my identity, who I am in Christ. So it means that as 
I first believe his word that says he has a plan for me, a plan to prosper me and not to harm me. I then believe in his word to say, you know, um, all things are working together for my good because I love God and because I'm called according to his purpose. And I remember reading that scripture and I'm saying, hold on. He said he has a plan for me to prosper me. He says he has a purpose for me. What if I stop pursuing my way and see what his way would look like. And I was, as I said, I was in a good job. I got a good job. I went to, you know, I came out of the inner city, you know, like I made it out of the inner city. Um, you know, I wasn't living in poverty. I wasn't sleeping on the ground anymore. You know, I didn't have to worry about where my meal was coming from because I got the degree. I did the things that the world says. I got a job, you know, and the whole works. And I remember just sitting and just thinking, what about what 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 would God way look like? Cause my way is okay. It seems cool. But I wonder what God way looks like. And I remember just going through a season of what I believe I was called, I was pursuing purpose. And that meant one, forsaking my current dreams. Literally, these are my dreams, God, putting them to Him. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What is it? And the first thing he says, just develop a relationship with me. Learn to hear my voice. Learn to discern my voice because my sheep knows my voice. No other voice he will follow. So it meant that I spent a lot of quiet time learning his voice, learning how he spoke to me. All of that came before the whole books and all of that. You know, so people see the books and the, <laughs> these things came long after I, desired, I started to have a relationship with him. Then he started the word of God says that when you're faithful little, he will bless you with much. So it means that I started to do small things. Remember those daily things that you mentioned? He would say, there's a lady right there. I want you to give her a thousand dollars. Okay. All right. That doesn't make sense. But then you hand a thousand dollars to the lady and she, she busts out in crying because she's like, oh my God, I stood here praying to the Lord asking where, where am I going to get most fear from? And then you're like, Oh my God, God use me. Oh my God, God use me. You know, and then he start and then he started to test you. So one of the things he said, I always had a desire to help teen girls. I love teens. I love so and I and before I was a Christian, I used to do workshops. And he said, Okay, here's what I want you to do. You used to teach them the world's way. No, I want you to teach them my way. And I started, I hosted a workshop with teen girls. And then it led to um a conference with a hundred when the Lord told me a hundred women will come to the conference. I'm laughing because one conferences at the time were not popular in Jamaica, right? We didn't know about conferences. There was a conference online um, with a minister I used to follow, Edda Lindsay, and I begged the Lord to send me to her conference so I could know what a conference should look like, right? Because I didn't see much of that in Jamaica. I wanted I had to go, come to the U.S. to see what a woman's, a godly woman conference looked like and see how I can bring something similar back to Jamaica. And then a hundred women came and I'm like, <laughs> what? And then he said, start a blog. And I'm like, Lord, what is blog? He says, when you love to write, you've been writing in diaries from you were nine years old. Start to write. And then he said, write a book. And all the things, it was just like, honestly, it wasn't, I sat down like, I'm going to build a platform. No, it literally just started with me doing, you know, the little things, looking at my passion, what my passion was. Even being speak, even speaking now, this is God. Because I would have never thought that I was good enough to speak. Like, I hide behind, you know, writing for a very long time because I'm like, my voice is annoying. I sound ghetto, you know, and, 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 and then all what you're doing, the enemy's coming at you, you know, because the enemy's telling you you're not good enough, you're not, nobody will listen to you, you follow this person, and then you get attacks even from people in the kingdom. And you're like, God, if Christian people attack me, then probably me wrong. And he had to say, come back. Remember, my sheep know my voice, my no other voice you will follow, no other voice you will follow, no other voice you will follow, listen to my voice, turn out the distraction. And it, this life that I'm living, this is Jesus. I'm not lying. I could not sow and reap this life. I couldn't. There was nothing I could, I couldn't go to degree, MBA school, all of these things. It had to be Jesus. And I look back, this life is far more fulfilling than any life I could have imagined for myself. 
Yeah. Amen. That's beautiful. I was just like nodding because it's so true. When God calls you to something, he opens doors in ways that make absolutely no logical sense at all. And I love hearing about what he's done in your life. So tell us about your books. Um, all right. So my first book, Living a Royal Reality, that was the name he gave me for my first conference. My first conference, he said Living a Royal Reality because the Lord was teaching me about my identity. Uh, because I grew up in the inner city, a lot of my identity was around the fact that, oh, I was an inner city girl that made it out of the ghetto. So that, and then then I got a job at the senior procurement officer at the forestry department. Then my identity became, okay, I'm the senior procurement officer. So I was always being, my identity was so much in my titles. And the Lord had to literally strip these titles and say, who are you outside of that? I'm, you are the apple of my eye. You are the head and not the tail. You are my daughter. You are co-here with Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You know, you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Like I literally, he had to teach me that. It was in that identity, learning who I am. Okay, because I, come on, like nobody wants to go on. No one, my parents didn't even know that I had an abortion. So no, I had to go and tell them. You can't imagine how like how I felt, you know. I'm wondering what would people say? Um, what would their co-workers say? What would your church me? Oh my god, you know? And I remember he had to just while he's ripping these things from me, showing me who I am in him. And that book, Living a Royal Reality, was that the reality is I did these things. I am going through these things. I will go through these things. But the royalty is that who I am in him. And I'm living my royal reality. So that's how that book was birthed, discovering my identity, purpose, and worth in Christ. And that book was written to help women that are wondering, because all of us go through this stage, why am I here? Who am I really? How can I fulfill God's purpose for my life? Does he even have a purpose even after all the things I've done? And that, that book is was written for that to inspire the woman. Um, I have a few other books empowered for such a time as this was the book following that because after many of us have come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he now wants to reveal our gifts to, to bless the kingdom. And then we go through these insecurities when it's time for us to walk in the gifts. So empowered for such a time as this, when you think about Esther for such a time as this, it was really just to activate the faith of women to say, okay, once you come into the saving knowledge of Christ, he has a plan for your life. And this is going to activate, this book is written to activate your faith, to believe that you too can impact lives for his glory. So I have other books, I have a devotional, draw closer to God um, in 30 days. And that was written because I wanted to know how else, um, okay, yeah, you pray, you worship, what else you could do to draw closer to God. So I shared 30 ways to draw closer to God through affirmation, through thanksgiving, through different ways of how we draw closer to God. Recently, like this year, we released a team version of Living a Royal Reality. I always designed a team version because, you know, I had teen sisters at the time. And while, you know, the Living a Royal Reality was good, I wanted a teen version. So the Lord led me. I started a mentorship program with 11 teen girls and they wrote their stories. I mean, amazing stories about, you know, how they too, you know, struggled with the different things that teens were going through. Because, yeah, I could write a teen book, but it, I felt like it was better for, for them to share their stories. So there's a teen version for that. So my new book, Blessed, Booked and Boundless is coming out, um, overcoming insecurity so that you can live the purpose, abundance, um, and have the impact that God has called you to have. And that is now where I'm at right now, leaving my nine to five job um, by faith <laughs> um, to pursue what I believe was God's calling on my life as an entrepreneur and as a minister. Um, I'm a single mother, you know, how that faith journey, but how I've experienced abundance. You know, the fact that I'm on a podcast right now, um, like these were not things that I could have done in my own strength, but is me accepting God's call on my life that would have opened the doors that, you know, I came up to in 2018, my first book, Living a Royal Reality, won an award for most transformational book in Baltimore. What? Like, I remember getting that award and I was just crying, I literally cried for 20 minutes. 
Like I just cried for 20 minutes nonstop because I'm like, who could, this could not be crystal. This must be God himself, you know? Um, amazing journey, but all of that come through just a desire to love God, a desire to be obedient, and also if you desire to make an impact on this world. Beautiful. I I have to check out your books. I can't wait. I am so, so honored to be getting to talk to you and connect with you. I love your heart. You are on fire for Christ and grounded in truth. And it's, it's beautiful to see. I I really, I love Jesus. I really do. And it, it, it didn't come overnight. It came when I decided to, to realize that there was a creator. Like I did not create myself. I did not pop out a bubble. So that means <laughs> there is somebody or whatever big bang, what they try to convince you um, that there was, a, there is an a, a eternal heavenly being that taught, like he, the word of God says that even before I, he placed me in my mother's home, he, he knew me. So that means like he says, you know, this is the purpose I have. I'm going to send crystal on this earth. He says, you know, this is the purpose I'm going to have. I'm going to send crystal bell on this earth. You know, like he saw purpose. He saw impact. He saw abundance. And then he says, yes, go. So yes, your mother said that, you know, she, she didn't want you or your father said that he didn't want you or you were adopted or you were rejected. All of these things were just a part of his master plan. But when you say, Lord, I know I went through all of these things. I've done all of these things. Lord, I know that you still can bring glory. Let your glory be seen and help me to love. I had to love. I had to beg God to love, to help me to love him, you know, because I did love the man more. <laughs> like, I love my child's father more. When I, when the Lord shared it with me, like, oh, you realize that you are in love with this man more than you are with me. I had to say, Lord, help me to love you more. Because if God never helped me to love you more, I would have sit, sat in fornication. I had to say, Lord, help me to love you more. And the Lord said, spend time with me read my word, listen some, listen some sermons, listen some worship music. And the more I did is the more I fell in love with him. And what you hear now is truly just the love, really a love that I've grown to for Jesus Christ. Yeah. His love is, is amazing. It's incredible. And thank you for sharing that. Is there any last words of encouragement or advice you'd have for our listeners you know, I I would I would say um, I think what I would say to your listeners is that you know just know and believe that there is a plan for your life. I think sometimes in our deepest and hardest moments, even as you mentioned, um, and I I just share when my little sister when she was sick and in the hospital, and I remember she kept asking me because you know I was in the faith and stuff. And I'd led her to Christ, right? And she kind of was hesitant because she's like, you know, I wanted to come to Christ when I wasn't sick. I didn't want to come to Christ because I was sick, you know? So I kept saying to her, there's no wrong reason to come to Christ. Like, no matter, there's no wrong reason. And I remember after I led her to Christ and she kept asking, Crystal, am I going to die? Am I going to die? And I, you know, I said, no, you're not going to die. And I remember... You know, I kept saying to her that, you know, even in this sickness, God has a purpose for your life. Even in this sickness, he still has a plan. And, you know, as she, I gave her the devotionals and stuff to read. And I remember, and this is how I know that no matter what you're going through, God still has a plan. In the hospital, she was able to save the life of about two persons. A lady beside her was bleeding to death and she was able to, um, the doctors didn't hear. She was able to get up and to go and stop the bleeding and, you know, was able to call out for the doctors, for the girl, the ladies. Wow. That, that alone, that alone showed me that God had a plan for her life. And even after she died, the, 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 the persons at the hospital and um, the doctors and stuff would have shared how, how she would have impacted their lives with her smile, you know, she would have she would have impacted their life with their smile and stuff. So 
I share that story to say to somebody that wherever you are in your life, just ask the Lord for, to help you to reveal his purpose in this season. That's the word that I want to leave with you. Yeah. Amen. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm so sorry to hear about your sister, but the testimony is beautiful and I'm sure it's hard and it doesn't really get easier. There's really nothing that makes it better, but at least, you know, she knew Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It, It makes it easier to be honest. And as I said, I've learned to see the God moments, even in those moments, when I see my father, who was considered atheist, visiting church, wow. that must be, <laughs> you know, um, things like that, you know, just little things like that is just, yeah, we would wish her back, but there was even God moments yeah. in those moments. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And you guys can all check her out at crystalday.com and I will put the link in the podcast description. And yeah, that's about it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so, 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 so much, Christopher. Like you also possess, uh, I, I just sense a joy. Like you have such a joy about you. And I thank you for this conversation. And I, I love you and I love your listeners. Thank you guys for allowing me to share, you know, my God story and how he has really, truly blessed my life. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Declaration Life. Would love to connect with you on Instagram at Declaration Life or at ChristabelBraden.com slash Declaration Life. Subscribe and join for new episodes as we explore what it means to live a Declaration Life.